Good morning. Good morning. 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 Wednesday. This Wednesday we're feeding the homeless. If you're available. You're not available. What do you think about that? Okay. Actually, summer's right around the corner. Then you're available, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the people have been asking about you. Wonder if you're coming back this summer. The next women's study is Thursday, April 20th, 6 p.m. Going through the book Radical Prayer. Uh Not that one. Not that one. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Okay. The next men's study is today, 1230 at Starbucks, right after church. And then we'll get back on schedule, hopefully. Next youth night is Thursday, April 27th. school until May. Men's retreat, April 28th, the end of the month. (laughs) But if you are a man, you should go. And then the marriage retreat, October 13th through the 15th. If you want to sign up, I think there's only a few spots left, so I would encourage you to do so. Sign up for email updates. Once a week, we send out an email with what's going on, or you could visit the website, thechurchne.org, and the calendar's on there. It'll tell you everything that's going on. Yeah, do you want to sign up for email updates? Okay, give me your email and I'll sign you up. Okay, let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this day, I thank you for your love. Your mercy, your grace, I ask that you would lead us and guide us through this study. That your words would be spoken here this morning, not mine. You would speak to each one of our hearts, right where we're at. You know our thoughts, you know what we're going through. You would meet us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us. That you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us. That you would help us to grow roots and a firm foundation of your word and of who you are that you would help us to be a light and a witness to those around us this week, that we'd be encouraged and strengthened by you, Jesus, that we would trust in you for everything we have. Everything we are is because of you. It's in your mighty name we pray all these things. Amen. So, last week was Resurrection Sunday. And now we are back in Hebrews. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 2. And I think we're going to get through four verses. What do you think? There's a lot in these first four verses, so it's going to take a minute to unpack it all. Okay? So Hebrews chapter 2, starting here in verse 1.
So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. So we must listen very carefully to the truth. We have heard, or we may drift away from it. So what is being said here, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. And what is the truth? The truth is that Jesus is the Son of God, came down to earth, fully God, fully man, lived a sinless life, died on a cross in our place, was raised from the dead three days later, and ascended into heaven. That's the truth. And we're either walking and believing in that, or we're not. We're either walking with God or we're walking away from him, right? It's kind of a linear path. And so if we're walking with God and we believe that Jesus is God and that Jesus was willing to go to the cross for each one of us, shouldn't we live a life that's willing to serve him with our lives? Yes, we should. So we must be very careful and listen to the truth we have heard, obey his words, or we may drift away from it, right? Or we'll start walking away from God instead of with him. So that's what's being said there. Verse 2, For the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So in the original text, it doesn't say of the law. It just says every violation and act of disobedience was punished. So some people hear that and they think God is out to get them, right? Is God out to get us? No. Is he mad at us? No. He loves us very much. So, I think we'll unpack. This will be the first verse that we unpack. We'll have to go a few places to understand this. But what I would say to you is for the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm, right? So God has sent messages to humans through the angels. And we're going to look at that. What the Bible says about that. But then every violation and every act of disobedience was punished. I think that we're talking that God right there is talking about the angels. And we'll look at that. Okay? Makes sense? So the first place that we're going to go, and we're going to go to quite a few verses, but they'll all be up on the screen. So you can follow along up there. Is in Acts chapter 7, verse 38. So... We have the story of Moses, right? This is when the Egyptians um, have enslaved the Israelites. And during this time, Pharaoh has decreed that all male baby Israelites should be killed at birth, right? And Moses' parents decide to hide him. They hide him in the, in the river, in the reeds. And Pharaoh's daughter finds him and takes him in as her own. And his life is spared, and he is raised in an Egyptian home, and then he grows up and realizes that he is not an Egyptian, that he is an Israelite. And he goes out to, to be with his people, and his people reject him. And then he runs away and lives out in the wilderness. And out in the wilderness, God speaks to him and tells him to go back and demand that Pharaoh lets God's people go so that they can go and worship God. And so Moses does, and Moses goes back and... You have the, the plagues that God sends down to the Egyptians, right? And the Egyptian, the Pharaoh, still won't, heart, won't let him go. He just continues to harden his own heart, right? And then he finally lets him go, and, they, and then he changes his mind. He chases after him, 
and then they get to the Red Sea, and God parts the sea so that the, the Israelites can walk through on dry ground. And then when Pharaoh chases behind them, God closes the sea back up, and they all drowned. Remember that story? Yeah. So then after that, they're out in the wilderness, and God's providing manna for them. God's providing for all they need. Their clothes never wore out. But during this time, God gives Moses the law, right? Some people refer to it as the Ten Commandments, but there was a lot more in it than that. It's the book of Leviticus, the law. <clears throat> so this Acts chapter 7, verse 38, gives us a little more detail of what it was like when Moses received that. So Acts chapter 7, verse 38. Moses was with our ancestors, the assembly of God's people in the wilderness, when the angel spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And there Moses received life-giving words to pass on to us. So when God spoke to Moses, he used an angel to speak to him. We get a little more understanding there. Does that make sense? So God used an angel to speak to Moses. And what did the angel speak to Moses? Well, Moses is credited with writing the first five books of the Bible. But Moses wasn't there for that. Moses wasn't there for creation. So how did Moses know what to write? Well, here we read that an angel spoke to him, that the Holy Spirit in other places leads and guides what to write, that all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So that means Genesis to Revelation. So God has inspired it. God told Moses what to write. We read here that God used an angel to give Moses the words, right? So... The other place we'll look at is in Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. And it's up on the screen, so you can follow along up there. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was, des was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. And if we look at this in the New King James, instead of the child... It's the seed, and that's important, and we'll get to that. God gave his law through the angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and people. So again, we read that God gave the law to Moses through the angels, right? So he sent an angel to speak to, to Moses, and that, um, that is how Moses knew what to write. That's how Moses had the law, right? Does that make sense? Yes. So, when we're looking at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2, for the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm. So, when God delivers a message through the angels, it's always stood firm. It's always true. It stands the test of time. And here we read in more detail in other places in the Bible, because we look at all the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, to have a fuller understanding of what God's saying. We just don't pick one area and make a, a quick decision on God's character. We look at it all, and so when we look at more areas of the Bible, we read specifically that God sent the angels, God sent an angel to speak to Moses, to tell him what to write in the law, to tell him what to write for these first five books. So, um, but I do want to take a look at this idea of God punished, right? And that nothing, got, uh, nothing went that was unpunished. And some people want to say that God is speaking about people here. And that um, 
is not quite accurate. And we're going to look at where the Bible says that. Because it was just me telling you that, well, my opinion's worthless, right? But when my opinion or when my thoughts are backed up by God's word, then it becomes relevant. And only then does it become relevant. Make sense? You have a question? Go ahead. Oh, we want me to move on? Okay. So the first area we're going to look at is 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And we're unpacking this area of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2, where it says, Every violation and every act of disobedience was punished. So every violation and every act of disobedience was punished. And I would say to you that God is speaking about the angels there. And the reason he says that there is he's making it very clear that these angels delivered God's message and they delivered it exactly the way that God told them to deliver it. Because if they didn't, every act of disobedience was punished, right? And that God took it very serious. God takes sin very serious. God takes his word very serious. So, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. Another area we'll look at is Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter. Verse 6. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for that great day of judgment. So we could spend the whole rest of the time unpacking this, what has happened here. But I'll give you just a brief summary, okay? So God didn't spare the angels who sinned. So we have Satan, right? The devil, who was an angel. He was what I think is the lead worship angel in heaven, right? But he became prideful and he had his eye wills that he will become greater than God, that he will ascend higher than God. And because of that, he was cast out. And when he was cast out, a, th- a third of the angels were cast out with him that had those wanted to follow in, in his footsteps, wanted that glory for themselves. So God punished them and cast them out. But not all of them are chained in hell, right? So this is only a specific few that are chained in hell, but God punished them all, right? God didn't allow any disobedience from the angels. So you'd say, well, that sounds pretty harsh, right? But these angels are with God. These angels know God. They've seen God. So when God punishes them, they really have no excuse, right? When you're in the presence of God all of their lives, they know who God is. They know his character and they know what he's like. So, I would say to you that these angels that are punished are ones that have stepped out, have done something even more than their disobedience when they chose to align with Lucifer. That they've done something in addition to that. And those are the few angels, fallen angels, that are chained in hell, right? But God's making it very clear that he didn't allow any disobedience from the angels and that all disobedience was punished. You have a question? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, if you raise your hand, I'm going to call on you. 
So, but what does that mean for us? Does God punish all of ours? Does he punish everything we've ever done? Do you think he does? You think God punishes every one of our sins? No. Do we say that because it just makes us feel good? Makes us feel better about it? Or does the Bible make that clear? And I'd say to you, the Bible makes that clear. And one of the places that the Bible makes that clear is in Psalm chapter 103. And this would be a good place to go. It will be up on the screen, but this would be a good place to go. This is an area of the Bible you should have highlighted. So Psalm chapter 103, we'll start in verse 6. So the Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He reveals his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. So what is character, right? So God's character was revealed to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. Well, when we're studying the Bible, we're really studying what is God's character. Who is God? So you've heard that integrity is the decisions you make when no one is looking, right? Do you make the right decision when no one's looking? That's what integrity is. But I would say to you that character is what decisions do you make when everyone is looking, right? That's your character. That's who you are. When everyone is watching you, what decisions do you make? And that's your character. So when everyone is watching God, when God is making, revealing himself, what is his character? What decisions does he make? And does his character change? While our character may change, we may mature in our lives as we grow up. Our character can either become more in line with God's word, God's will, or as we grow older, it can be less aligned with God's will. We can grow further away from him. We can allow more evil and sin into our lives. And it's one or the other. We don't just stay neutral. We're not just treading water in the pond. We're swimming one direction or the other. We're swimming towards God or we're swimming away from God. We're walking towards God or with God or we're walking away from God. And that choice is ours. But that character of ours can change. While God's character never changes. He's the same yesterday as he is today as he will be tomorrow. He's the same for all of eternity. God's character never changes. So when we read through the Bible, we get to understand more of what God's character is. And we've been over this before, but we can read through an area of the Bible and make a quick judgment on who, what God's character is. We can see it as, oh, God is an angry God. But if we make a quick judgment and we're not willing to dig deeper into it, oftentimes we'll make the wrong decision or wrong determination on God's character, right? So I think there's kind of two lenses that you can read the Bible through. You can read the Bible through the lens of, I serve this very loving God, or I can read the Bible through this lens of, I serve this very angry God. And this angry God is waiting for me to screw up and he's going to strike me down. And I don't think that's the right lens. I think the correct lens is we serve this very loving God. That while we were still sinners, he sent his son to this earth to die for us. While we were still sinners, he loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice his one and only son. That speaks to me as a very loving God. And not because I did anything, because he chose to do it all for me. And all I have to do is believe in him, right? So I choose to read through the Bible with the lens of I serve a very loving God. So when we get to areas of the Bible like Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2, and sometimes people take it out of context and think that God is out to get them, we have to slow down 
and read through the read through with the lens of we serve this very loving God and his character never changes. So when we get to the Old Testament, we read about some harsh things that sound like they have happened. Can we explain those through the eyes of a very loving God? And is he a loving God? And is, the answer is yes, and we can. And we will as we continue on through our studies of God's word. So we'll go back to Psalm 103. We'll read verse 7 again. So he revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. So God is slow to get angry and he's filled with a never ending love. His love for us never ends. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. Does God get angry with us? Yes. Will he remain angry forever? No. Will he constantly accuse us? No. Who constantly accuses us though? Yeah, we can constantly accuse ourselves. We have a, when we talk about the enemy, we have a threefold enemy. We have Satan and his demons. That's the one enemy. We have our sinful nature. That's our second enemy. And then our third enemy is this world system, the world around us that wants to, to come against the God that we serve, right? That's our threefold enemies. We have Satan and his demons. We have our own sinful desires. And we have this world system around us. That's our threefold enemy. So who constantly accuses us? Well, that's Satan. And his accusations correct? Sometimes they are. Sometimes we have done what he says. But when we take it to Jesus and we ask him for forgiveness, he removes it from our record, right? And sometimes the, Satan's accusations are not correct. They're false accusations against us, right? So who constantly accuses us? Satan does. God will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry with us forever. He does punish us. He does, I'm sorry. He does not punish us for all of our sins, so right there, we know that in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2, he's not speaking about humans. Because right here it says, he does not punish us for all of our sins. And does God contradict himself? No. God's character never changes. He's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. So right there we understand Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2, is not talking about humans. Because he does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal, with, he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. So we deserve for him to punish us and deal harshly with us, but he does not. He doesn't punish us for all of our sins. He doesn't deal harshly with us. And why is that? Because he loves us, right? We have this lens we're reading through the Bible that he loves us. <laughs> does that make sense? Are you with me? Okay. You have some good questions coming up at the end? Okay. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far away from us as the east is from the west. So for those who fear God, for those who believe in Jesus, he has the great love for us, a great unfailing love that is immeasurable. You can't measure it. And when we ask him to forgive our sins, he removes it from our record. He removes it as far away as the east is from the west. 
And why does it say east is from the west? Because there's no end to the east and no end to the west. It's this unimaginable removing from our record. He never brings it up again. He's given us a great exaggeration. Because if he would have said, if I remove your sins as far away as the north is from the south, you could actually go measure that. There's a north pole and a south pole. Makes sense. But the east from the west, it's immeasurable. It's this unlimited removal, right? He removes our sins from our records. He never brings them up again. So, continuing on here in verse 13, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. So again, we have promises for believers. Not all the world gets these promises, but when we choose to believe in God, we get to walk in these promises right here. That he has unending love for us. He doesn't punish us with every little thing we've done. Punish us for every little thing we've done, right? He loves us. He adores us. He wants us to love him. And how is it, that we possible, how is it possible for us to love him or anyone else around us? Because he first loved us. And what is love? Is love this feeling that I have? No. Love is a self-sacrifice and serving others. And what's the example of that? Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross to serve us, to take our place, right? So when I choose to love my wife, I sacrifice myself, I serve her. I know, it's, I'm learning. I, for the, for the, it's taking me a while. <laughs> for my kids when I serve my kids it's a self-sacrifice right a sacrifice of myself my time my talent my treasure to serve them right that's what love is sacrificing of my time my talent my treasure to serve others right so that's what love is not some feeling right so love is a choice not a feeling love is an action oftentimes Doing something for someone else, not a feeling. So, okay, let's continue on. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. We're going to make it all the way through verse 4 today. Are you excited? Yay. So, but I think it's important that we unpack it in this way, that we don't have this wrong understanding of what God's saying here. Because God makes it very clear. And his word, when we choose to look at the whole word, makes it even more clear to us. So, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. So there's a lot being said here too. So we'll unpack this one as well. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation? Well, we can't, right? We can choose to believe in God, and that leads us to an eternal life in heaven, in paradise with him, with Jesus, or we can choose to reject God. Reject Jesus as God. And where does that lead? We want saying, God, I don't want you in my life. I want to live separate from you. And what does he do? He will give that to us for all of eternity. And we'll spend eternity separate from him in hell. Right? So that's what he's saying. And this was 
first announced by the Lord Jesus himself. Some other texts just say by the Lord himself. So where was this first announced? Do you know? You don't know? Should we find where it was first announced? Which book do you think it was first announced in? Mark. Mark? That's a good guess. Is that not right? Matthew. Matthew? That's another good guess. How about Genesis? Would you believe that Jesus announced this, that the Lord announced this all the way back in Genesis? Is that so? The very first book of the Bible, what does God do? God announces his plan for salvation right from the beginning. Isn't that cool? So, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 3. So, at this point in Genesis, we've gone through creation. God created everything in those first six days. And how did he create everything? We read that he spoke it into existence. God said, and we've been through over this, that when we're talking about God who created everything, Jesus created everything, right? John chapter 1 makes it very clear that Jesus created everything. Everything was created through him and for him, by him. So Jesus spoke it into existence. Jesus said, let there be light, and there was light. Jesus spoke the rest of it into existence. But then when he got to man, what did he do? He said, let us create man in our own image. Speaking of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So while he spoke things into existence, which is amazing, he was more detailed when it came to creating us. He created us in a different manner than he created the rest of creation. Why? Because he loves us, right? We get to read through the Bible with this lens that God loves us, that we're never too far away from him, that we never um, are have sinned so much that he won't forgive us, that he always loves us, he always forgives us, he never leaves us or abandons us, that when we believe in him, we have promises that the rest of the world doesn't have. So we've gone through creation. He's created man and woman. And how did he create woman? Well, he created man first out of the dust. He said, let us create them. And then we read out of the dust he created him to give us this impression that he created us with his hands, that he molded us and shaped us in his own image, in God's own image. And then when he went to create the woman, he took a rib from man or took her out of the side of man and created her with, again, something material with flesh. In his own image, he took time and detail to do that. And then the man and woman are walking in the garden, right? They've been given this whole garden. This whole creation is under their domain, under their dominion. And there's only one requirement. And that requirement is don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat the tree in the center of the garden. But they're tempted, right? And to choose to obey God, if we love God, we've been over this then we'll obey him. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And that we show that we love God when we obey his commands. So the tree is in the center of the garden to give us a choice, right? Because love is a choice. Love is not a feeling. And what happened? They, Satan, the serpent, comes and deceives them. And they eat of the fruit. They choose not to obey God, right? They choose not to love God. And now sin has entered the earth. And so after that's happened, God knows what's taking place. God knew it was going to take place before he created everything. God already had a plan, right? It's like God is playing this ultimate chess game. 
a chess game with each and every person he's ever created. He knows the decisions and the moves we're going to make, and he already knows how he's going to react to them, right? He doesn't make us make those decisions or any of that. He just knows what we're going to do. He's given us that free will to choose to do with our lives what we want, but he knows how he's going to react, and he knows the moves that he's going to make, and that he's going to continue to show us that his son is the way, the truth, and the life. And he uses his Holy Spirit to do that. So now in the story of creation, we've gotten to the point where now God has come into the picture and he's there with the man and the woman and the serpent. And, and he's telling them, now that you've made your choice, this is what I'm going to do. And so we pick up in here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast in the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What is that right there? That's the promise that God would send his son into the world to die for our sins. Right there. So where does God promise this? The Lord is the one speaking. The Lord is Jesus. The Lord God, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right? So when do we first receive this promise of salvation? Right in the beginning. Genesis chapter 3. So I think it's important we talk about this that in the original text, it's translated the seed. And that's why when we're looking at Genesis chapter 3 here, we're in the New King James Version because it says that your seed and her seed. Well, this is important because women don't have seed. Men have seed. So for her to have a seed speaks of the virgin birth right there, right? Because women don't have seed. And see how the word seed is capitalized? Speaking of Jesus, right? And then right after that, he shall bruise your head. He is capitalized, speaking of Jesus. And you shall bruise his heel. His is capitalized, speaking of Jesus. This, this area of scripture makes it very clear that Jesus is going to come into this world through a virgin. And that while Satan may bruise his heel, Jesus will bruise his head. Jesus will deliver the death blow. Jesus will defeat Satan, will defeat death. And he did on the cross right? So isn't that what makes this Bible so cool? We get to go through all the Bible and get this fuller understanding of who God is. I think that's awesome. Pretty amazing. So now that we've understood here, this great plan of salvation was first announced by the Lord himself, then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. So Jesus announced it himself, and then when Jesus was here on earth, he made it very clear to his disciples, to those who were listening, that he was the Messiah, that he was God's Son come to earth. And those who heard him speak are now passing it on, right? And they're doing that through the Bible. The people that heard him speak, Paul, who heard him speak, not during his ministry here on earth, but after he rose from the dead, he met him on the road to Damascus and heard him speak. So, those who heard him speak have now passing it on, right? And they're giving that message to us. And they give us that message through the Bible. We get to read about that. Matthew, the book of Matthew, 
Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples walking with him, hearing these teachings, and he's passing them on to us. Does that make sense? So when we read the Bible, we get to see God's character. If you want to know what God is like, go read the words in red, right? The words in red are Jesus' words, God himself speaking. The whole Bible is God speaking, but very specifically, these are Jesus' words when he was here on earth. So, then we read in verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 2, And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. So to have a better understanding of this, we're going to go to John, the Gospel of John. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to go to John chapter 20, verse 13. So John chapter 20, verse 30. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. So the ones recorded in the Bible, they saw all those plus many more. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name, right? So Jesus did many miraculous signs when he was here on earth. The ones recorded in the Bible, and then there's many others that he did that are not recorded in the Bible. But the reason they're recorded is so that we can believe. We can believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the Messiah, and when we believe that, we have life-saving power, right? He gives us this life, this eternal life in him. What's the way to, to get to heaven? Believe that Jesus is God right? Do you believe Jesus is God? Do you believe that he died for your sins? You know? So, so we see that Jesus performed many miracles, but then let's go to Acts chapter 5, verse 12 and through 14. So after the book of John, we have the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 5, Verse 12 through 14. So this is after Jesus died, rose again, and ascended into heaven. We read about the apostles and what they were doing. Right? He tells them to go out and, and proclaim the good news. The good news that Jesus is God. That the Messiah has come to save the world. And what is he saving us from? Well, he's saving us from sin. He's saving us from the sin that enslaves us. Right? We're told that we're slaves to sin. But when we choose to receive Jesus and believe in him, that the power that sin has over us is no longer. That the chains are broken. We're no longer slaves to that sin, whatever sin that is. So here, Acts chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Concade. But no one else dared join them, even though all the people had a high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. And were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them 
as he went by. Crowds came from villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. That's a big word. What does the word all mean? All means all. What happens when we translate the word all into the Greek? What does it mean then? All. Yeah, all means all. So every single person that they brought got healed. Is that pretty amazing? Yes. So, Acts 5, verse 12, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, right? So Jesus performed many signs and wonders, miraculous things. The apostles were performing signs and wonders after Jesus ascended into heaven. So why was this? Why is this being recorded? So that we can believe. We can believe that Jesus is the Son of God, right? So that we can believe in God's message. We can believe in His Word. We can believe all of that. But I can tell you that oftentimes in my life, God will do a miraculous work. Something that's no, not explainable by any other standards. It was a miracle. God's hand working in my life. But then months later, I'm tempted to rationalize it, right? I don't remember it quite as good. Don't remember all the details quite as well. And the enemy comes and, well, this was a coincidence in your life. This wasn't really God working. Have you ever had that happen to you? Where you, God's done a work that you know right then and there that God's hand is working in your life. That is, is a, a miraculous sign, a wonder, whatever it is, big or small. And then months later, the enemy comes against it and wants to rationalize it. Wants to tell us it's a coincidence. that It wasn't really God working in your life, right? So the enemy often wants to come against whatever it is God's doing. And the enemy chooses to do that in our thought lives. To tell us that we're something that we're not, right? Maybe we're not smart enough. Or we're not pretty enough. Or we're not good enough for this sports team. Or whatever it is. Does the enemy come against us in our thought lives in that way? Oftentimes. But what are we? Number one, we're made in God's own image. God made us just the way he wanted. And we read that Jesus created everything. So does that mean that Jesus created just Adam and Eve? He created you too. In his own image. Right? And he took his time. He shaped you just the way he wanted Gave you the nose that he wanted you to have, the ears, the eyes, the personality that you have. Now that doesn't mean that our personalities are always good, right? Our character, right? But he gave us a character that is in line with him. And we can choose to walk in that character or we can choose to walk away from that character. And walk in a character of evil, selfishness, right? So keep that in mind when we're going through this, that Jesus created you just the way he did because he has a plan and a purpose for you. So now we'll unpack this last part of verse 4 in Hebrews chapter 2. Um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? And one of the places that we can look at that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll be there for the rest of our study. Okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
So there's some teachings out there that the gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't for this time. That was for when Jesus was here on earth or times past. But I'm here to tell you, the Bible makes it very clear. The gifts of the Holy Spirit absolutely are applicable today, right? The Holy Spirit is still working just as the Holy Spirit always has. The Holy Spirit has always existed. The Holy Spirit is the same yesterday as he is today as he is tomorrow, right? He never changes. And he is always at work. And his gifts are always at work. And we'll look at a little bit more of what that is. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities, like the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Right? So the only good in us... The only way we can say Jesus is Lord, the only good in us is because the Holy Spirit did a work in us, right? That's what's being said there. Verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. So when we're talking about God's gifts, spiritual gifts, there's only one Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit gives all these gifts. When and how and where the Spirit sees fit. And to whom the Spirit wants to give them to. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us, right? So, continuing on here, chapter 12, verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So this is important. You should have this verse highlighted, underlined. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So why does God give us these gifts? Is it to glorify ourselves? Never. Is it to bring glory to God? Yes. Is it to help others? Yes. So is that a self-serving? Does God give us these gifts to be self-serving? No. He gives us these gifts to help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Verse 10, He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And when he says from another spirit, he's speaking about the demons, right? You have this spiritual realm, this angels and demons realm. And while we read, angels have messages for us from God and they don't deviate from what God says because there's punishment that always takes place for that we've been over that we got to learn that today but now we read that there are a discernment 
to know whether it's the spirit of God or from another spirit that this message is from, right? So there's demonic things out there. There's demons out there and they're giving messages, but those are not God's messages. And we need to be careful of that. We need to understand that. So to continue on, still another person is giving the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. <coughs> it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. So all these gifts are given by God's Holy Spirit, the one and only Spirit, right? He alone decides which gifts a person should have. So if we were to continue on in reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we get into to chapter 13, chapter 13 goes on to, to list all these gifts again, and that I could use all of these gifts to perfection, right? I could be perfect in, in, my, in how I use these gifts, but if I don't have love, all these gifts are worthless. And what is love? Well, love is serving others. Love is denying ourselves, picking up our cross, and following Jesus. Love is giving of our time, talent, and treasure to serve others. That's what love is. And we've been over this, that these gifts are to help serve each other, right? To help each other, to glorify God, to help each other. So these gifts are not given for us alone. And if I'm not using them in love, in a service to others, then there's using them in vain, right? There's really no power behind them. The power is God working through each one of us to love others, to serve others, and giving us these supernatural abilities, these giftings that can only come from him, from the one spirit, to serve others. Does that make sense? So these gifts that we have, this life that we're living, is about serving God and serving others, right? Or the two greatest commandments Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love God, love others. Serve God, serve others, right? Those are the two greatest commandments. So when we're talking about spiritual gifts, it's always in service and love of other people. It's not about ourselves. And so how do we know that Jesus really is God? By the work that the Holy Spirit is doing through us. By the gifts that he gives us, right? That's another sign more evidence that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God. Come down to earth to die for our sins. So to tie it all back together, it goes back to where we started today. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. So we must listen very carefully to what we've heard this morning. The word to serve others that we're to love others, that we're to love God first, above all else, believe in his son, that he gives us promises, that he loves us with an unfailing love so we can in turn love him and love those around us, right? And we have to be very careful to listen to this and walk in it, or we may find ourselves walking away from God, right? There's no sideways, I got a little off. I'm either walking with God or I'm walking away from him, right? Does that make sense? And this even comes into play with our enemies. We love our enemies. We pray for God to bless them, which is very difficult. I'd say, humanly speaking, impossible. But with God, all things are possible, huh? 
So, so we love our enemies, we love everyone around us, and we serve them. We sacrifice of our time, our talent, and our treasure to serve others, to serve our family, to serve our spouses, to serve our children, to serve our parents, to serve our neighbors, to serve our enemies. Remember last week, we went over Jesus washing Judas's feet. Judas was Jesus' enemy, right? Was set to betray him, wanted to turn him over, wanted to follow the leading and guiding of Satan, right? Not being led and guided by the Lord. But what did Jesus do? Jesus still washed his feet. Jesus still served him. He gives us that example. Would you wash your enemy's feet? Would you wash your mom's feet? Would you wash your friend's feet? Would you wash your enemy's feet? Well, Jesus did. Well, Jesus did. But that's, that gives you the understanding of the, the service. Here you have the God of the universe who created all things, the greatest of greats, the Almighty, and He's serving others by washing their gross. And their feet back then were even a lot more gross and dirty than yours because they wore sandals and it's all dirty. And, they didn't have no pedicures. Yeah. Yeah, there's no pedicures back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, you must be true followers of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> with all that, do you have any questions? Yes. Okay, first things first. I have to ask you what this Song of Songs is. Song of Songs? Song of Songs was written by Solomon. Solomon was David's son. So you have David and Goliath, remember him? Then he goes on to become King David. Then he has a son, Solomon. And Solomon is considered the wisest man of of all time, right? The wisest person to ever live. So he writes this book, Song of Songs. So these are the writings of Solomon. In his wisdom. Solomon also wrote Proverbs. So these are just wise sayings. Make sense? Good question. Corinthians chapter 12. Ready? First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. 
The spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other, right? So why does God give spiritual gifts? So we can help each other. That should be highlighted. Yeah. And so the spiritual gifts, you have the gift of of wise advice, right? The gift of knowledge, the gift of, you know, faith, a great faith, or I don't think it's just our faith of believing in Jesus. I think it's a a great faith that he gives us Super at times the supernatural faith to step out and do things that like Daniel in the lion's den kind of faith. Um, you have the gift of healing. You have the gift to perform miracles. You have the ability to prophesy. The uh, the gift of discernment, discerning whether a message is from God or from another spirit. The gift to speak in unknown languages, um, or the gift of tongues, people put it. And then you have the ability to interpret what is being spoken. So, and I think some people get leery of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and it has a lot to do with the gift of tongues because people have taken that out of context but if I read what the Bible says about it that when we speak in tongues it's always to be very orderly and if there's not an interpretation then we're not to speak so when the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts it's not we're not in control of our body we're fully in control and we can choose to use those gifts or not right but the Holy Spirit is giving us those gifts and the Bible goes on to say that if you're going to desire one gift, a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on the gifts of tongues. If you're going to desire one gift, you should desire the gift of prophecy, right? And I think the reason for that is because there's no faking prophecy. Either God gave you a message and it came to pass, right? Or he didn't and it wasn't from God. You can't fake that. Well, the gift of tongues, people have kind of done weird things with that and faked that. But when the gift of tongues is used correctly, it's very neat and orderly. God makes that very clear. So when it's not neat and orderly, then right there I can discern that that's not from God. Right? That's from another spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Yeah. And are spirits real? Are spirits? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so talking to the dead right? Things like that. We're told not to do that. Can you talk to the dead? No. Yes, you can. And God tells you not to do that because it's not good for you, right? And how do we know about this? One of the places we know about it is um, Saul. So we have Samuel. Samuel was one of God's leaders over the nation of Israel. He was the last judge and then the nation of Israel said, I want a king, we want a king, we want to be like all the other nations, make us like the world, we want to walk like the world, not like you, God. Because remember, God walks different from the world. That's one of our enemies is the world, kind of the world system. So they said, oh, we want to be like the world, we don't want to be like you. Because at that time, God had put judges in a place of ruling over Israel, and everybody else had kings. And they said, we want a king. So Samuel was the last judge, and they wanted a king, and the next person that was picked was Saul. He became the first king over Israel. And Saul started off good, started off with a character, having a heart for God, but his character, the decisions he made, grew away from God. And so Samuel at this point has already died. um, And Saul is gone to a medium, someone who can conjure up the dead to speak to them. And Saul speaks to Samuel. So can that happen, or is that stuff real? Absolutely it is. The Bible makes it clear. 
but the Bible also makes it clear, do not do that. It is not good. That's not a realm you're to be in. Did they speak back? Yeah, Samuel spoke back to him. What? Yes. Why? Yeah. Yeah, it's real. And that, the reason we know it's real is because God's word tells us it is. Like I said, the whole Bible, when you look at the whole thing, there's not a scenario in our life that isn't already spelled out here for us. Well, that's different than conjuring up the dead. Conjuring up the dead is this spiritual demonic thing because the, the way you conjure up the dead to speak to them, it's a demonic thing. You're using demons to do that. And that's why God tells you not to do that. No, it is not. Are you thinking of something else? Like, I can go to the cemetery and where my dad's headstone is, I may talk there. Are you thinking something else? No, I thought that talking back is super cool. It's not. It's not good. Is it even possible nowadays, though? Oh, yeah. Yes. How? Through demons. You have to use demons. Yeah. Can you go... Yeah. Yes. That's a, this is a good question. But what you're thinking of is you want to talk to someone, right? And so passed on. Um, can you talk? But if you're asking for a reply, then you've crossed the line, I would say. Wouldn't that be cool if they replied back? Like well, how about this, though? How about God is maybe teaching you patience? And when you enter into heaven, you're going to get to talk to him all you want for all of eternity. Do you have the patience to wait for that? And you have the patience to trust that when they died, that they were believers, that they're in Jesus' hands. They're with him. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still, though, if we could, I feel like we should. Definitely not. If we could. You can, and you definitely should not. Why? Because God says not to. I think she And she might be. And we can talk more about it later. About it later. Because well, the only way you're going to get an answer back is you're going to use the demonic realm. You're going to use demonic spirits to do this. That's like a fairy tale. No, it's what the Bible says. Oh <laughs> All right. Do you have any other questions? No. No? Anybody else have any other questions? No? Should we close in prayer? Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to come to learn more about who you are, how you work in each of our lives, how you speak to us, how you lead us, how you guide us, how you protect us. I ask you would just put a hedge of protection over each one of us. You would keep us safe physically, 
but also keep us safe spiritually. That you would lead us and guide us in this life to be a light and a witness to you, to serve you, to serve others, to love you, to love those around us. That you would give us the ability to love our enemies. That you would um, just give us a heart after your own heart, Lord. I thank you for the work you do in each one of us. I ask you to give each of us wisdom and patience this week. You give us knowledge and understanding of your word. It can only come from you. It's in Jesus' mighty, mighty name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.